0: Hi, I'm Arnar Vashoghi, and this is... Satvik Shunwas. And together, we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, we're going to be previewing the AFC and NFC South, seeing how they line up for the 2022... 20, see how they line up for the upcoming year. With that being said, let's get right into it.
1: Yeah, let's start off here with the AFC South. And I guess for sure here, the Titans are kind of becoming that top dog in this division, you know, all the moves they've made in the off season, getting Bud Dupree, Julio Jones, of course, you have Derek Henry there, AJ Brown, Ryan Tannehill on paper, this is definitely the team to be in this division. Right. They were the top dog coming in. I think the only
0: team that was really going to give them a challenge was maybe the Colts. And obviously with the injuries going on in Indianapolis, that's no longer a question mark. So now the Titans have sort of, once again, transitioned to this team we talk about. We don't care what they do until January, and that's the case with the Titans, right? We want to see the fruits of diversifying the offense, right? We want to see the fruits of that Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick and that three-headed monster on offense that just looks unstoppable. And so we, we've talked a lot about this. We want to see some record numbers here that that's really the key here. That's really, you know, Ryan Tannehill needs to make the correct play on third down. Derek Henry cannot, you know, he, you know, there needs to be no slowdown. This is just, you know, we had a great year last year, but we're looking to do even
1: better this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I guess I would just hold off on that. I don't care what they do until January. Cause I still want to see that offense, you know, how those pieces are going together in on paper. It's definitely money, but there, as I'm saying, you know, like, a come lot on of times now, I come,
0: don't... come on, come on. This is, ah. this is, this is going to be an unstoppable offense. There's no, there's no need to, oh, let's see what happens in regular state. We know what's going to happen.
1: We know it's going to be a good offense, but is it going to be what it has the potential to become? You know, like, you know what I'm saying, I mean, how,
0: how are you going to stop it? First and second down, you go to Derrick Henry, third down, you run play action, you get AJ Brown or Julio Jones, or first down, second down, you can take a chance. Through the air, right, or short down situations, and right, you can get yourself in a third or two, third or three, where you can hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. There's just so many options with this offense that, like, I don't, I don't see how to stop them. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting 2019 Chiefs vibes from here. And uh,
1: I, if they're like that, then it's going to be really hard to stop them. I'll tell you that for sure.
0: Well, team that won't be hard to stop in this division, I guess. The, similar to how the Titans are the top dog, we know this is going to be just the bottom-feeding team, the Texans here. and There's not much to say other than they are one of the most they, – they literally made a joke out of the word organization. Like, there is no organization on any level of this Texans franchise. Like, management, owner, coach, player, nobody knows what's going on.
1: Man, that that's harsh, but I can't say it's not true. So – But the Texans, I really think you got to ask the question, what the damn hell is going on in the Houston Texans? Like, no, no one knows what's happening. And these, you know, things are going to play out. Maybe, you know, they find a player or two that's kind of a surprise player, kind of like what we saw um, a year ago with Jacksonville. You know, James Robinson was a dude on that roster. No one expected it. But, you know, there could be one or two diamonds in the rough. But overall, we're not expecting much this year. It's gonna be a tough season, Texans fans. We know that, you know that. The Texans know that. So it's just really a season to get through, move on, and try to get ready for 2022.
0: I mean, I got five words for the Texans, and that's Houston. We got a problem. There's not much, not much more to say there. Uh let's go. Let's move to another team within the AFC South who's They've had problems uh, of their own. And, you know, they really solidified Tennessee's spot at the top. Uh, that's the Indianapolis Colts. And, man, you got to feel for them, right? You got to feel for Carson Wentz as well. Because this is a team where it's like every year you have the roster, you have that defense led by Darius Leonard. They're always going to be top 10. And it's always come down. Can the offense perform when it needs to? And the Colts, you know, Frank Reich. That was supposed Frank Wright, Carson Wentz, that was supposed to be that connection, that valued connection that they were going to bring. Mm. And lo and behold, he gets injured out five to 12 weeks, along with his top lineman, I might add, Quentin Nelson. So, man, yeah. things went from – it's literally first to worst for the Colts.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of getting that San Francisco vibe from last year where just everyone was hurt, and it was a good football team. But, you know, at, at a point you can't do much when – like every single one of your top players are out. But I think on that, on that same level, right? If Frank Wright can sort of just keep the ship afloat for a while, maybe do something. But the worst part really is the first five games are brutal for this team. Seattle at home week one. Then the LA Rams are coming to Indianapolis. Then you're going to Tennessee, to Miami, and to Baltimore. Now that's five likely five playoff teams in your first five games and that's just not a good way to start when it went to miami is your easiest game that yeah. that speaks volumes yeah no it does and i think also a test this season of like how is that culture going to hold up you know like you know if you start zero and five like is there any even like an ounce of determination to come back from that. I I know, I know it's like, if you start on five, it's basically over, but if the Colts do make the playoffs this year, I think that's going to be because, you know, Frank Reich has like a coach of the year type performance this year, keeping this team afloat. But again, you know, tough for Carson Wentz. This was supposed to be his year. I really had that feeling, you know, this team bought into Carson Wentz, even despite what he's gone through. They were like Frank Reich said, you know, I want to go get Carson Wentz. He's my quarterback. That was the intention of the move, but we're gonna see have, have to see how it plays out.
0: Right, and on that note, like you know, this team holding up and Frank Reich uh, giving a coach of the year performance, some guys are gonna to have to step up, right? And we look especially in that quarterback room, Sam Allinger, Jacob Eason, who's who's gonna be that guy within the first five weeks who really uh you know develops a consistent play, you know, keeps the team together. Wide receiver, who's going to be that guy who steps up? Is it going to be Michael Pittman? Is it going to be Zach Pascal? right? Running back rooms, Jonathan Taylor is really going to be, have to be that workhorse guy. He's going to have to come in and dominate, right? So my question is now for the Colts, right? Even if this year you have to throw it out, right? Because you don't do well in the first five weeks, you know, stuff happens. Who is that guy who steps up on this team, right? Can next year, can you look at it and be like, okay, you know, that's our guy now. Can, can you can you do that? So that, that's why I'm, you know, we talked about that diamond in the rough, right? If this season is
1: gone for the Colts, who's that diamond in the rough? Who's that guy who steps up?
0: And that's something I'm interested to see uh, with the Indianapolis Colts.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And on the subject of, you know, the quarterbacks, I didn't really get a chance to see Sam Ellinger, but from what I saw from Jacob Eason's week one in the preseason, the dude definitely has physical gifts, you know, like the ball, he has a nice arm. It comes off well, just the accuracy, the consistency, you know, sort of up and down. But I think Frank Reich is one of those quarterback coach type dudes that can definitely help Jacob Eason become a more polished quarterback. So that's going to be interesting to see, as well as what Sam Ellinger does. And like you said, I, I don't even know if there needs to be diamonds in the rough in this team. You know, there's so many just diamonds everywhere on the roster. But it's if you don't have the quarterback that – it, it, it just, everything comes falling down. Right.
0: It's the consistent play. It's the meshing of the team, right? We need this to see this team really come together on the heels of, you know, pretty devastating injuries. Another team who we need to see mesh the Jacksonville Jaguars who brought in arguably one of the most talented quarterbacks with the number one overall pick and Trevor Lawrence. And they brought in an all-time college coach in urban Meyer and I'm not going to lie. It looked kind of shaky for the first preseason week, right? We were expecting some big things here, not some sack fumbles.
1: Yeah, no. And I think the biggest takeaway for me was, you know, Trevor Lawrence playing at Clemson, coming to Jacksonville. There's a big transition there. And you're not going to have all that time in the world. Like, both of of the sacks that he took, I I think it was really just a product of not throwing the ball away and not getting that mental clock going. It was like, Oh, I got time. No, you don't got time. You have two and a half seconds. That's all you have in the NFL, but there were, you know, positive plays like one out that he, you know, just drove the ball. We've seen that so many times in college. He has that arm, but the same throw later, a couple of plays later was, you know, he was kind of had the pressure coming a little leaning left. The ball was off the mark. Um, His best play of the night was probably that, you know, 30 yard ball and he had good protection. Play kind of broke down, and he found someone that was, you know, good to see. So, you know, there's n- there's not a lot of big, like, flashy statements to take from this game, but it's really just we want to see more, right? Like, th- this can't be Trevor Lawrence's best. Come on now. There were there were
0: a lot of ups and downs. We'll say it was it was a yeah. rocky first start. We saw the best and we saw the worst. And, yeah. Um. You know, and also, you know, moving off of Trevor Lawrence, you know, there's a lot of things that you know. Question marks for Jacksonville, right? We look at the dynamic between James Robinson, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Who was excellent on this Jaguars roster. He thrived. And now you bring in ETN, right? So now it's going to be, you know, that running back by committee. How do they mesh together? How do they gel together, right? It's going to be, how is that defense going to play now, right? You brought in Shaq Griffin, right? Mm -hmm. Does that defense elevate? Does that defense step up? There's a lot of question marks around this Jaguars roster. And I don't know, man. I, Urban, I think a lot of this early on is going to fall on the coaching staff, right? Because you're expecting, right, Urban Meyer, who's a guy who worked with a lot of college guys, not to mention this roster is extremely young, right? So you would expect them to work well together. If things don't pan out well, a lot of it's going to fall on Urban Meyer's coaching staff here.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think whenever a new head coach comes in, you you got to establish your identity, put your mark on the team, right? a guy like Matt rule, a guy like Sean McVay from the moment they stepped into that organization, there was just night and day change, you know, and that's what Jacksonville needs. You know, Jacksonville is not one of these organizations that has incredible stability. And, you know, has this, like, like, like it's like a team like the Steelers that has had like three head coaches, in, like the last 40 years, some, some crazy stat like that. This is like a revolving door of quarterbacks, a revolving door of head coaches. And even if you don't win a whole lot of games, I just want there to be a level of consistency, like, hey, moving forward for the next like 15, 20 years, we have a head coach quarterback combo that we believe in. Right.
0: And it doesn't look good, honestly. Like I I will always look back at them signing Tim Tebow and bringing all the drama with him. Right. I'll always look at that and be like, why did you do that? Well, what was the purpose of doing that? Right. I would have much rather had reports coming out about, how Urban Meyer loves Trevor Lawrence and they're working together to develop it or Trevor Lawrence has developed a connection with DJ Chark, right? I would much rather have those reports come out of camp, right, versus Tim Tebow laid a block on a defensive end, right? So when we talk about the stability, the mesh, right, there being some sort of, okay, you know, next year we know what we're going to do. These are our goals and this is how we will achieve it. This is our timeline for achieving it. I'm not getting that sense out of Jacksonville right now, and I'm not going to lie, I would not be surprised if this is a two-year coaching job and he's out.
1: Wow, that, that's that's a bold statement, but you know, I want to see more. I haven't seen enough to make any claims like those, but I agree, you know, they're, 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 it was definitely lacking, you know, not what we expected from the Jaguars thus far. All right, let's
0: transition to the NFC South, and let's look at a team that is the model of stability in the NFL, but things have actually recently gone haywire. And that's my New Orleans Saints here uh, with Drew Brees' retirement. They're entering a really pivotal year here, Sopik.
1: Yeah, no, uh, definitely. And um, there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty as to what to expect. You know, there's three quarterbacks on the depth chart here. Jameis Winston, Ian Book, and Taysom Hill. And I just get the sense that there's no like clear plan for the year. You know, it's like, Hey, let's go out, see what happens. We'll figure things out on the fly. And maybe that could work. Maybe you figure out who you have in that quarterback room, the guys that you have in that locker room, you have a plan moving forward. But you know, my question is, what if you don't, what if you don't, you know, the cap that you're getting working up against the cap. And by the end of the year, if you're like, have like four wins and no clear quarterback, what do you do if you're the Saints?
0: Right. This is a
1: pretty decent roster that
0: I would say with above average quarterback play could make the playoffs, but at the same time with below average quarterback play could look to enter a full rebuild by the end of the year, right? And one of the things that I I really don't like in the NFL is mediocre teams that just stay there. They don't – they're not, oh, you know, we're competing for a Super Bowl – or they're not, oh, we're in a rebuild looking to accumulate young talent and a lot of picks, right? They're teams that just stay in the middle. And that's what I don't want the Saints to become, right? This is a pivotal year because by the end of the year, you need to have that come to a conclusion whether, you know, one of these guys on your depth quarterback depth chart is the future. Do you see Sean Payton and whoever that may be, Jameis, Taysom, Ian Book, uh, do you see them winning a Super Bowl together within the next five to seven years? Or is it okay? We don't have a quarterback here. We're working up against the cap. Let's just enter a full rebuild, start to accumulate talent, right? And so that answer is what I need to hear, basically, from the Saints. That that answer needs to be visible, and that's why I say this is an extremely pivotal year for the Saints because it could go so it could go extremely well. We make the wild card, or it could go we're at the bottom of the division.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's you know there's a lot of distance between those two and they're like polar opposites but I really don't think there's an in between there you know it's going to be a really positive year or it's going to be a year where it kind of crashes and burns for New Orleans but a team that's definitely going to have a positive year the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off of that Super Bowl win shocked me shocked you I know but you got to give credit where credit is due they were the top team in that Super Bowl game They beat the Chiefs fair and square. And coming into this year, I would slate them as definitely one of, if not the favorites, to go back to the Super Bowl.
0: Yep, we were one of the biggest doubters of the Buccaneers, and they consistently proved us wrong on a week-to-week basis. Uh, But, you know, we talked about this in the off-seasons episode as well. The Buccaneers might have had one of the best off-seasons ever, right? And it was staying pat, bringing back all 22 starters, everyone with that same cha- championship mentality and pairing them with Bruce Arians. What more do you want? That's, that's like, that's like, you know, you're coming in, everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows what the goal is. Everyone knows that, you know, we're winning 12, 13 games and we need to make it count in January and February. Right. So this is, this is, I mean, this is just a Buccaneers team that Tom Brady at the helm what more can you say, man? This is just an excellent roster, excellent team, excellent culture, and might repeat as Super Bowl champions.
1: Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add there. It's really just this is this is the top team in the NFL, like believe it or not. And then the worst part for me, you know, I, I was buying the hype early, but after seeing it, the product on the field, I was just not confident. But they just found a way to put it together when that when it mattered. And you know, that's kind of where the you know, the elite teams separate themselves, you know, when the chips are down, they figure out, figure out a way. Speaking of putting
0: it together, the Panthers are a team that, you know, on paper, they look amazing. And some of these off season moves, I mean, fantastic, but once again, they got to put it together. And that's what we're looking. That's what they're looking to do this season.
1: Yeah. And this is our comp back to the Arizona Cardinals. We were so, so high on that team this past year and on paper just did not translate to on the field. And that was it, you know, dropping so many easy games to, you know, teams like the lions, even the Panthers last year, they lost the game. They definitely should have won against new England. And I honestly kind of feel we could be looking at something like that with Carolina. You know, there's a lot of winnable games on their schedule, but they got to win those games. Not, you know, nothing's a guarantee, you know, a, a pick here, a fumble here could take you from being in a wild card spot to being out of the playoffs and that's all really the difference is so this year I want to see the Carolina Panthers take that step forward because a couple years now you know they were in that rebuilding phase you kind of talked about like you know you had the feeling that they were one of those mediocre teams but then they fired the head coach took a step back realized they had to make changes and they made those changes so now it's not about making changes anymore but you know executing on the field
0: right and what if you want to execute you can't have excuses and there cannot be any excuses this year especially with the culture that they have in this organization that you know Matt you talked about it right Matt Rowe came in stepped on day 1 and I said you know I run things around here here's what I'm going to do here's my plan of attack and everyone bought in everyone bought in all 53 guys bought in and and that's one of the, the reasons why even last year you know you look at our tier list and we were the Panthers towards the end of the year. We sort of started to like them and we, we bumped them up. It was for that reason, Matt rule established a culture and everyone bought in. And I think that culture is what, what's going to propel them to maybe a wild card spot this year. Right. And we look at that defense, especially, right. That defense was excellent last year. And now you add JC Horn lockdown corner from South Carolina. I mean, the sky's the limit for that defense.
1: And on the flip side of the ball, it's something I don't think enough people are talking about. This offense is getting back Christian McCaffrey. And that's going to open up so much, you know, having a guy like that who can catch the ball, run the ball. He's going to attack, attract double teams all day. It's just going to make life easier for everyone when you have that kind of superstar on the offense.
0: Right. You know, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, right? And now you add Terrence Marshall, who we talked about in the draft process. and We really liked him from LSU right? Chubba Hubbard, if you didn't see his run week one, I mean, that was one of the top plays like coming out of a pile, taking it for what, 50 to 60 yards. I mean, not Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold, that, that's that's the one thing here. That's the one thing that's going to dictate all of it, right? you got all these offensive pieces, all these offensive weapons. CMC is going to make life a whole lot easier for them. But can Sam Darnold, can Sam Darnold efficiently get the balls into the hands? Can Sam Darnold efficiently get the ball to those playmakers? That's going to be the real question here. That's going to be that moving, moving
1: factor here. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And it always comes down again, man, to the quarterback position, no matter what you do, if you don't have consistency at quarterback, you're not going to have success. And, you know, I was sort of a Sam Darnold apologist, if you will, you know, I don't know if you share that sentiment, but things are not pretty for him and with the Jets. But at the same time, he didn't show anything to say that he was this elite quarterback that was just on a bad football team. You know, he made a lot of mistakes as well. So I think it's hard to judge him based on his past, but I don't think there's a lot of time for hey, he's still a young quarterback. Let's give him a cup. No, okay, like Sam Darnold, you're on the verge of sort of becoming a veteran guy in this league, man. You know, this is your shot to prove, hey, I belong here. I'm one of the 32 best quarterbacks in this league or, you know, the league can move on. Yeah, and I think this is probably the
0: best situation that Sam Darnold could be in, right? He is really, the Panthers have put him in a position to succeed. And if he doesn't, that's on him right now because the ple- just the plethora of weapons and just the way that they can just run rounds around defenses, right? You're gonna have a receiver open, you're gonna have CMC open a lot of plays. You cannot make mistakes. There cannot be excuses. You have to execute. Execute's the one key word right now with the Panthers. Can they do it this year? That's the question that that's the million dollar question here.
1: We have one last team here to discuss in the NFC South, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. And I personally don't have a lot to say. Not very excited by their prospects for this year. And I think it might be that one of those teams where you kind of talked about, you know, that's kind of in the middle. They've been there for a few years now. And we're not seeing that, you know, maybe similar to the Saints, you know. Are they going to start rebuilding? Or are they trying to compete? Or what are they doing? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And I think the stem of that question is them
0: holding on to Matt Ryan, Right what are they going to do with Matt Ryan? Because he's a quarterback, right? He's a veteran quarterback who looked, who want, he wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to get back to where he was a couple of years ago and compete on a veteran team. But the Falcons just aren't that team. So I think the real question here is, you know, if the Falcons are going to go into a full rebuild, I think the question here for the Falcons is, what are you going to do with Matt Ryan, right? I think that's what everything revolves around,
1: right? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I guess just to make this conversation a little bit interesting, you know, I know they drafted Kyle Pitts, and you can't go wrong, you know, drafting that kind of generational talent. But are they going to think to themselves, maybe we should have picked up a quarterback? I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I know. That is an interesting question.
1: I might, you know, I
0: look at it and I say, would it have been better to trade Matt Ryan away acquire draft capital get a quarterback and surround him with weapons versus drafting Kyle Pitts and sort of hanging on to Matt Ryan saying okay let's see where things go because you know we talk about these mediocre teams and it's like you know you're not making the playoffs so why not go into a full rebuild start accumulating young talent and start accumulating picks why are you holding on to all this veteran talent sending a prayer, hope, saying a prayer, hoping it works together one year when you know it's not. And so that, you know, I think we, we sort of talk about a lot about we, – we talk a lot about direction with NFL teams. And the Falcons, I don't know what the direction is with them.
1: Yeah, No, I 100% agree. And, again, I just get that sense they're in the middle there and they're not doing much to either get out of the middle or move themselves up. They're there. And I guess we haven't talked about, you know, getting a new head coach this year, Arthur Smith. That's something that's on the table to see what he kind of brings. But again, yeah, I don't know what's going on. We're just going to have to see.
0: And I might add, you know, bringing in a new coach, doesn't he want to implement his system, his way of running things? He wants his quarterback, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it have just been better if you're bringing in a new coach to just trade away Matt Ryan and start on a fresh platter, right? Fresh plate. Why didn't, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like the moves with the Falcons are just so confusing, right? You don't have a good defense. You have a few offensive weapons, but they're not going to really propel you to anything. Once again, go, I just go back to the word of direction. I, I don't know where are the Falcons going.
1: Wow. This is not a very optimistic way to end the episode. off. <laughs> it is what it is. With that being said, thank you for listening to the 48th episode of the Backfield Rift. Be sure to tune in to our next episode where we'll take a look at the AFC West and NFC West divisions for the 2021 NFL season. Until then, it's been Satvik and Arnav Rastogi. Stay safe and take care.